This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox era. And on every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. On this episode, I'm joined by Clara and Joseph, and we're going to talk about one of the most cinematic video games of the generation, or maybe of all time. And that's, of course, Shadow of the Colossus. So how are you guys, first of all? Doing well. Hi, yeah. doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome, Clara, making her um, 128-bits debut. But <laughs> not, not your irrelevant podcast network debut, right? I think you've been on the... Have you been on the last best thing yet? I have not. No, oh, I well, there you go. Maybe it is your <laughs> irrelevant uh, network. I am. I did it. I finally yeah. made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember playing this game at launch? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It was one of those, like, I think I even pre-ordered it at uh, GameStop. And, but I also remember playing the demo so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was just one of the most hyped video games for me of the era. So yeah, and I never got into Ico, so this is like the first one of the the team that I actually really got into. Oh, cool. Yeah, same. Yeah, I remember the reason why I got into into Ico was the ad, which was like a big maze mm-hmm. with little arrows and whatever. And I remember that was such a cool like ad on uh, probably on GamePro or something that I was like, what I is remember. this game? I want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but I do remember that actually. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really good. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into, into Shadow. We'll start with a little bit of background. So Shadow of the Colossus was released as a PS2 exclusive on October 18th, 2005. And it was developed by Sony, specifically Team Eco. Um, and Shadow is the second game for the studio that got its name from the first title it developed, Eco, also for the PS2. And this is one of those weird uh, Japanese games that actually got released in North America first. And I couldn't find a reason as to why that happened, but we got it before the Japanese, even though it was <laughs> but purely... like a week or two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that. I spent a significant amount of time like trying to see why, but I couldn't find anything. Maybe it was just the release calendar or something. Yeah. So the game is uh, the game development is led by the same men that led Ico. Uh, that's Fumito Uera at director and Kenji Kaido as producer slash tech lead. And I don't have Google alerts set up for either of them, but they're exceptionally talented <laughs> game creators. And Ueda is another arts graduate who pursued video games as a means to apply his art studies, just like Mizuguchi and um, uh Takahashi from Katamari Damacy, but yeah, no Google alerts for him. <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus, like every Team Eco game, is very unique and doesn't quite fit traditional molds in, when it comes to genres, but I guess you could call it an action-adventure game, or you could also call it a puzzle game. Um, and that's because it's a strange action-adventure game in that there's no towns to explore or traditional dungeons to explore with a big boss at the end. The world of Shadow of the Colossus is just a big, empty world, sparse and barren, populated only by giant creatures that the protagonist must find a way to kill, at which point you could call it a puzzle game because each Colossus is an, its own unique puzzle. So, yeah, it's kind of weird to fit it into like a genre mold, but if you had to, I guess you could call it an adventure game. But if you call it a puzzle game, I'd be like, all right, that's fair enough to... Yeah. Um, the game itself was in development for almost four years with 35 people working on it full time. Each of the members of the team had to be special in some way, however, because Weta and Kaido both had incredibly high standards. So in an article for GameSpy.com entitled Making Colossal Games with the Creators of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, these guys talk about how they put out ads for artists and out of 500 applicants, Kaido thought only 10 were good enough, and Ueda thought only one or two were good enough. Um, so yeah, it was they had insane standards. Um, Ueda, like on Eco, took the role of lead artistic designer and had a very clear sense of what he wanted, even though he didn't seem to be the best at communicating it. In the same GameSpy article, Ueda himself says that, quote, He'd frequently demand sweeping changes until the art team got it just right. End quote. So that's like another theme with these guys that weren't game designers and ended up working in video games, like from an art background, that they are so set in their vision that they will go to like extreme lengths to see them fulfilled, right? 
Yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Above all, Uera wanted the game to epitomize the concept of a lonely hero. So he focused on everything in the game helping in building that. From the vast empty environments to the lighting to the lack of music whenever you're not facing a colossus. So everything was just about creating this feeling of loneliness. Uh, but I also want to take a moment to talk to quickly talk about the music of the game, which was fantastic. It's this orchestral soundtrack that features some of the most beautiful music heard in any form of entertainment ever, not just video games. Like I'd put it up against any movie soundtrack out there. <laughs> and it was written by this man uh, by the name of Ko Otani, who's just brilliant. The cool thing that I thought that they did with the music, or like one of the really cool things I thought they did with the music um, in order to keep that feeling of like the lonely hero um was it's only on sometimes like as you're mm -hmm. traveling through mm -hmm. the land you can hear just argo's um footsteps yeah. and then like them echoing and but you don't hear any of the orchestrations until like the boss fights or like until it gets to those cinematic moments that's when it kicks in and it like adds to the feel of those cinematic moments yeah it was that i really like that too because it's just like it it's just empty in every yeah. sense like even yeah. sonically it's just empty so it was really cool. Um, on the technical side, Kaido led the development team in creating an engine that would help Ueda and the art team fulfill their vision. The graphics engine focused heavily on lightning using desaturated colors and high dynamic range rendering, as well as bloom lighting. However, maybe the biggest focus of the custom engine that Kaido's team was developing was the physics. So as I said earlier, the game features giant enemies that tower over the player. And the player can climb them, and some of them are big enough that the player can even like take some time to rest on them. <laughs> uh, so the physics of a giant creature, especially in relation to the movement of the player character on the giants, was a very unique challenge and something that I don't think any other game had done up until this point. Yeah. Um, and one thing I really liked and blew me away at the time of playing this was that each colossus had like this fur that you could cling onto and climb. But depending how the giant would move, it would like move as well, and how you would hang of it, like from it, it would swing very realistically. I just remember that being so cool and just really, really immersive. Just yeah. The way the fur moved, it, it like I wanted to touch it more. Than <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst part of the last fight, too. Yeah, so, but to talk about this game as purely technical or purely artistic would be to miss the point, since both of these brilliant men and their teams created a beautiful game in which the whole is much more than the sum of its parts. So let's talk about what came out when both of these aspects were put together. Um, the game, story-wise, starts off with our protagonist, Wander, riding his horse, Agro, into a massive castle named the Shrine of Worship, and he's carrying with him the body of a woman, uh, Mono. When a Did voice... you know the name of either of them, by the way? I just knew the horse's name. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Same. Yeah, Until we... I started researching it for this week. Yeah, because he, he says the name, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had no idea who, who, what their names were or anything until later. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So at that point, when he's in the shrine, a sh when he's in the shrine, a voice starts talking to Wander, and Wander requests to the voice that it help him return Mono's soul to her body. And the voice tells Wander it's possible only if he destroys the sixteen idols that are represented by stone statues on the temple's walls by using the ancient sword he has in his possession. So. Yeah, at the beginning of the game, you find out that the protagonist has this ancient sword that's apparently the only thing that can kill this colossus. So I always thought if there would be like a sequel or a prequel to this game, it would be focused on that, on acquiring that sword. But uh, it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. However, before setting off on his quest to destroy the, the 16 idols and revive his girl... The voice gives Wander an ominous warning that he may have to pay a great price to revive Mano, but off he goes anyway into the vast empty expanse. And the only thing in this world are the Colossus, you and your horse. There's also a couple of lizards that if you kill, you get more uh, like grip strength, but that's it. <laughs> the only did way to know that I did. And I do thanks to PSM magazine because <laughs> in in one of their screenshots, they had that as like a hidden gem or whatever. <laughs> and I spent a little bit of time looking for them, but not a lot. Awesome. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. If you if you killed all the lizards, you would get enough grip to be able to climb the shrine well, to get to shit. the secret garden. 
it would have been helpful then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just never did it. And it was, I like, it. it's a huge world. So it was kind of hard to find them all. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this one. Like if uh, I've been playing the remaster a lot lately mm. and they'll cross your path there so you can find them really easily. And they look oh, like cool. they stand out in the in the scenery as opposed to in the other one where they blend in. Yeah, that's oh, nice. that's the other thing, too. The graphics on this one were desaturated to create that like barren look, but it made seeing these little guys really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the only way to find the Colossus are by sticking out the sword that that ancient sword that Wander has into the sky and the sun will reflect off of it and focus a beam in the general direction of where you should head and then you just ride. Like we said earlier, you don't hear any music, just the sounds of your horse and the single-minded focus of a man on a mission. Each of the colossus you face is unique and range in size from huge to colossal, but each time you destroy one, you're back in the temple and their idol is shattered. Then you go out again and kill the next one. At a certain point, the player becomes aware that with each destruction of a colossus, he's slowly awakening an ancient power that's been sealed in this land, and the player's skin shows signs of some evil in him being awoken too, with Wander's skin growing paler and his hair darker as more and more colossi are killed. I don't want to go into the ending, but the ending is really something special. Um, truly, this game is just exceptional, and you can't describe Shadow of the Colossus by either its technolo technological achievements or its artistic achievements. It's something much more special and a game that's really a landmark for the games as art discussion and undoubtedly one of the standout titles for the PS2. In terms of critical reception, Shadow of the Colossus was universally liked by the video game press. It has a 91 out of 100 out of 77 critic reviews, which is really good. Um, Eurogamer, uh, which, like I said, was my favorite magazine to buy at Barnes & Noble, gave it a perfect <laughs> score and said it's a masterfully understated, beautifully simple, engrossing ride that's as palpitatingly thrilling as it is serenely calming. It's also one of the most consistently compelling and memorable games we've ever played or witnessed for that matter. I think that last one is really interesting because, like our friend Jacob was talking about how he didn't play it, but he saw his brother play it. And I know a lot of people that didn't play the game, but saw it. And it was just such a cinematically well-made game that it was compelling to watch, even if you weren't playing. So yeah. I like that they pointed, uh, they pointed that out. Our friends at 4fatchicks.com also gave it a perfect score and said... Yeah, they're always a highlight. Uh, simply put, this game is so brilliant that it ought to be fined. Uh, so that was their blurb on Metacritic. But I went to the website, which is now renamed to taprepeatedly.com. I thought it was renamed to something else like last time we talked about it. Yeah, I guess I just keep renaming it. Um, and I read the full review. And I like this this paragraph on it that, that I'm going to read because I thought it was pretty good. Um, and the person that wrote it is just known as Steer Pike. So it's not a real name, but this is Steer Pike on Tap Repeatedly. Uh, formerly for fatchicks.com and they said quote from a scientific perspective uh, so right away i disagree with the scientific perspective uh, Col <laughs> colossus is a platformer focused on exploration and punctuated by white knuckle combat between your character and 16 immense monster the only 16 encounters you'll have in the game but its heart lies in its examination of the selfish human capacity to blindly do harm for the benefit of friends and loved ones without a thought for consequences any of us would strangle a puppy, murder 10 strangers, or burn the Mona Lisa to save the life of our mother or husband or son. Someone who didn't know our loved ones would call us criminal, but for the perpetrator, it's a small price to pay. To pay. In the end, Shadow of the Colossus is an allegory for misguided perspective. End quote. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty intense, and I, but I do kind of agree with them. <laughs> and it kind of points out also how... Um, like it's kind of hard to categorize this game because they categorize it as a platformer, which is weird, right? But if you wanted to, I guess you could. There's a lot of jumping, I guess. <laughs> I um, wonder who, how the person with that kind of analysis come, came to write for 4 .com. I don't know, man. Maybe I get, you don't get on Metacritic without having some sort of credibility. That's true. But um, yeah, I thought it was super interesting that just talking about how Maybe I wouldn't go so far as to murder 10 strangers, um, but I could definitely a strangle a puppy for my mom. Oh, terrible. <laughs> 
I definitely would, especially a strange puppy. Um, so, yeah. IGN gave it a 97, highlighting the cinematography of the game, and PSM Magazine gave it a 95. Um, the Triumvirate of Bro Mags didn't review it, but Stuff Magazine <laughs> did, and gave it a 95, surprisingly. So even Stuff really liked it. Um, Play Magazine, my second favorite magazine at the time, gave it a 90, saying it is a game of tremendous emotion, of sadness and exhilaration, tragedy and wonder. So again, all of these are highlighting like the emotional toll that this game took on people. Yeah. And uh, GamePro gave it a 90, or a 4.5 out of 5 fun factor in GamePro terms. And Bones, which is one of the editors I'm least familiar with, wrote the review and said, quote, with uniquely brilliant gameplay and some of the most artistically awe-inspiring visuals on the PS2, Shadow of the Colossus stands head and shoulders above any recent action-adventure entries and miles above the industry's current creative expectations, end quote. So, yeah, I couldn't really find bad reviews, but the harshest reviews came from EGM, who's notoriously a rough reviewer, but they gave it like an 8.8, .8, and GameSpot gave it an 8.7. So, yeah, there was really no bad reviews for this game. Uh, the game was also reviewed by the New York Times and our buddy Charles Harold uh, again. But just like with Katamari Damacy, I don't think he paid much attention to it <laughs> because he said the following, uh, quote, while the game lacks a sense of purpose, the battles themselves are incredible, each distinct and imaginative, requiring a mix of wit and muscle. They can also be remarkably difficult. The game was made in Japan, a country that expects its gamers to work very, very hard if they want to have any fun. End quote. So, I mean, the game lacks a sense of purpose at the from the very beginning. You know, yeah. this guy's trying to revive. You have one goal purpose. throughout the entire game. <laughs> So yeah, Charles Harold um, at the time just missed some very big signs, or maybe he didn't pay attention at the beginning or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know how <laughs> he you... was getting his food while the intro played. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you don't know the purpose that this guy has, but yeah. In terms of games of the year type awards, it got soundtrack of the year for 2005 by EGM. It won best character design, best game design, best visual arts, and game of the year, as well as uh, three. One of the three innovation awards at the 2006 Game Developers Choice Award. So yeah, the developers love this game. Best um, character design is kind of a it's a bullshit to give it to them though, because their characters are <laughs> levels. Yeah. Like the, the uh, Colossuses are levels. You can't compare them to actual characters. <laughs> yeah, I agree because that it's like character and level design all in once. But yeah. I think I remember reading that they also included it for like um, aggro and yeah, yeah, was they're like awesome. one of the most important ones. Um, IGN gave it best adventure game and best artistic design award for the year of 2005 however didn't win game of the year as god of war took that award um huh. it was runner up for game of the year along with resident evil 4 and guitar hero which i mean that's a really good year for games also four is so good. however hmm. a couple of years later ign would name it the best game of 2005 like only four years later in 2009 <laughs> So there was a bit of hyster uh, historical revisionism going on there. Um, they would relegate God of War to fourth best game of 2005 behind the three games it had as runners-up at the end of 05. So, yeah, some weird historical revisionism. Um, in that same feature, they named Shadow of the Colossus the second best game of all time, with Half-Life 2 being number one, Knights of the Old Republic number three, and Grand Theft Auto 3 being number four, Mario Galaxy rounding up the top five. So... Yeah, IGN at first was like, this was a really good game. And then four years later, it was like, this is the best game ever. <laughs> Second best. Um, but yeah, all, all in all, it was very well liked. I really had a hard time finding anyone who would say something bad about it. Um, only like EGM and GameSpot had complaints about it. And they were not so much with the game, but with the technical limitations of the PS2. Because there was some issues with frame rate. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. But when it would get really busy, um, it would get kind of laggy and frames would mm -hmm. skip and stuff like that. Um, but that was the only complaint. Everything else, people seemed to enjoy. Yeah, this was another one with bad draw distance like we talked about with some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, already. yeah the, the it had the echo factor of uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't see anything until you get really close to it. It just kind of mountains just pop in randomly. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Guillermo del Toro's even um, said that this game has been an inspiration to him in the past. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of sales, I couldn't find much info on the sales in the U.S., but it did make Sony's greatest hits, which is a sign to say it sold really well. As a criteria to make it a greatest hits was for it to sell at least 400,000 copies. So we know it sold at least that many. <laughs> According to VG Charts with a Z.com, which again, I'm not sure how reliable that website is, but according to them, it sold 780,000 copies in the US alone with 1.14 million copies worldwide, which is really, really good. However, I couldn't find that number anywhere else, and it wasn't one of the top selling games of the PS2. Um, but the PS2 had a lot of games that sold over 1 million, so that number could very well be true. I wonder if they're considering the remasters as part of it. I don't think so, because I read an article that the PS4 remake sold more in its initial week than the PS2 game did. Huh. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it sold crazy, but this was like a, a European article, so maybe they're just counting in the UK or something like that. Which, but, if we can take an aside for a second, if yeah. you haven't, if you guys haven't played the PS4 remaster, download it now. It's amazing. Like it's a whole other. It's the. It's like the experience all over again from how good it looks. <laughs> I'm, I saw a video from uh, one of my favorite video game YouTubers. I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, Video Game Donkey. Mm-hmm. So, if Video Game Donkey is really, he's usually like a funny um, video game reviewer. He's this. Uh, big dorky looking white kid but he's really funny and his voice makes him sound like a black guy <laughs> like, like that's that's a recurring meme of like i thought donkey was black but, but yeah um and he talks he did a video on the remake for the ps4 and uh-huh. i remember seeing that and thinking like this is a different game because i thought it was just like a port and yeah after that i i like he even mentions that it looks so much better and stuff like that. So yeah, I I read up on it and the guys who did it like completely remade all the assets from the ground up. Yeah. Which is, which is really impressive. (laughs) Uh, So let's get into some uh, behind the scenes or trivia about shadow of the Colossus. Um, The original name for the project was Nico, which is a portmanteau of Eco and two in Japanese. So (laughs) Nico. So it's kind of like Eco two, but um, Weta has also said that it was never really seen as like a sequel to Eco. Um, they just used the horns for the demo because it was easy to use and whatever. But yeah, I remember even like the forums that I would go to, I think it was the Penny Arcade video game forums. Like people were creating fake cover art with the, with the words like Nico and stuff like that. <laughs> thankfully it wasn't called that. Um, Another thing, the first Colossus was revealed in a demo at E3 2005, and the demo was also included in the September 2005 issue of PSM, and I played the hell out of that demo. Like, I probably (laughs) wore out that disc um, of how many times I played it over and over again. Uh, Agro the horse in Japan is female, but in English, Agro is referred to as a male so, yeah, Ueda said that he intended the horse to be female, but somewhere along the localization of it they started naming it uh they start referring to it as a male so i don't know how that happened um the way aggro feels is either a big source of annoyance for players or something that (laughs) is a really cool aspect of it i personally really liked it because you control the reins when you're on aggro and you don't control aggro himself so i thought that was really cool um, and that whole design was on purpose. Weta didn't want the horse to feel like a car. He wanted it to feel like a real animal. And he said that real animals wouldn't always listen. So yeah, Agro was a bit of a stubborn animal at times. And it was kind of hard to get him where you wanted to go. But I always felt like that was realistic. Do, do, do you guys have any opinion about that aspect? Yeah, I actually I really didn't like know. Yeah, me neither. I thought that, w- that was like my... I guess if you had to pick like a bad thing about the game like that when I played it, I was like, oh, just listen to me. And so I found it really annoying up until I started researching for today. Did I know that that was on purpose? Now I'm like, oh, shit, that's kind of cool. But at the time that I was playing it, I was like so annoyed by it. (laughs) Yeah, that was a big complaint. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it added to like, especially because of how much you had to travel with him. Yeah, um, it gave you some sort of sense of, of another living thing in the in the land there. Yeah, that's true. Um, The game took so long to make because of the perfectionism of the creator, specifically Ueda, who sometimes wouldn't even go home 
Um, and he just had to keep working since no one else could nail what he was trying to achieve. Like his standards were so high and apparently he was so bad at communicating that sometimes he just, I'll just do it myself and he would stay late. Um, <laughs> but Kaido and the tech team stayed behind too, only uh, because the artist stayed behind. So in that GameSpy article that I mentioned earlier, um, Kaido said that it wasn't right to go home and abandon the artist when they were working late. So he'd stay too which I consider psycho behavior. <laughs> but I'm sure it was great for team morale, right? It's just like... That's cool. Because um, there have been times at work where I like have to stay late to work on something. And it sucks when you see everyone else leave and you're the only one there. Um, so yeah, so this guy was like, ah, oh, he's making them work late again. I guess I should stay to help them. It wasn't something you were passionate about, like bringing this game to life. That is was, true. You'd, you'd care about it more. Yeah, that, that could definitely be true. <laughs> um, and like Joseph said earlier, uh, Mexican film director Guillermo del Toro, who directed Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, The Shape of Water, and the criminally underrated Pacific Rim, uh, oh, cites movie. Shadow of the Colossus as one of his major influences. And in a 2008 interview with Edge magazine, he said the following, quote, there are only two games I consider masterpieces, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, end quote, which is high praise <laughs> coming from someone like Guillermo del Toro, right? I'm just looking yeah. at the quote. Okay, yeah, this is before Last of Us came out. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you follow up? It's like, what do you yeah. think of Last of Us? <laughs> yeah, have you guys watched Pacific Rim? Yeah, I love, I love that. Oh, yeah, it's so great. And I could see I could see some of the way they move and stuff like that, like him thinking of Shadow of the Colossus in the back yeah. of his mind or something like that just because they don't move like um like big Power Ranger kaijus, right? Like you can really see the heft and weight mm -hmm. in how they act, which is something that you would really see in Shadow. Yeah, that's really cool. Um the game also plays a significant role in the 2007 film Rain Over Me, which is uh the Adam Sandler, Don Cheadle movie. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. I but, did, but I completely forgot about that aspect until I read about it in my research. <laughs> yeah. So Adam Sandler's character copes with his primary struggle with aspects of the game mirroring the tragedy that befell Sandler's characters. So Shadow of the Colossus is falling giants mirroring the crashing towers of September 11th, in which his wife and children died. And uh, the game's lead character trying to resurrect his deceased loved ones are two of the main themes which like really resonate with Adam Sandler's character. So they reached out to Fumito Ueda and the game was included in the movie. So yeah, kind of like right a direct parallel to Shadow of the Colossus, oh. um, except Adam Sandler wasn't directly responsible for destroying the towers, right? That's the only <laughs> thing that kind of isn't similar, but everything else is. And um Kind of like how we said earlier, the game has been remade both for the PS3 and remade for the PS4. And both of them have been done by Blue Origin Studios, but the PS4 one is essentially a full remake. It's not just a port. And it looks really good and apparently outsold the original PS2 game, at least in the UK, in one week. So, yeah. And has Joseph's full recommendation, so <laughs> go download it right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's did you guys find... Did you guys find anything else in your uh, research that I didn't mention? Uh, I saw some point where Ueda described his um, design as designed by subtraction hmm. in this game with like the sparse landscapes and um, oversaturated lighting and stuff like that. So hmm. I just thought that, that was a cool way he described it. Yeah, that is cool. I Third wonder if the reason that you don't have... Um, updates for these guys is because their projects take so long anyways that you're going to hear about it before you ever get to see them <laughs> the day. Yeah. And I can see why it would take so long if, if, if this guy has 500 applicants and he only likes two of them. Yeah. It's just yeah. Like, Definitely perfectionist. I, I don't, I would not want to be interviewed by him. I have a feeling he would just like walk out mid interview. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know what? I'm sorry. Never mind. Thank you. <laughs> not even, I, don't not think gonna... he, I don't think he'd even say, I'm sorry. He'd just be like, no. <laughs> no I think Clara was saying you would say that. Oh, You're yeah. right. Sorry. I took your time. <laughs> yeah. <Definitely>. Really apologize. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into our questions. And the first question is, what is your favorite thing about this game? So what's your favorite thing, Joe? Uh, I'd have to say the atmosphere. Like they did such a good job in mm -hmm. keeping to their design. 
the like the minimalist style just leaves the player with this sense of isolation um and you travel across such far distances and like i said like the only other living thing you have is this horse like it's so dark and desolate like it's just great and they kept that throughout the entire land and throughout the entire game mm. yeah definitely it just had this feel of 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 barrenness right and yeah. it's so weird because um it didn't feel necessarily lazy. You know what I mean? Because it's one thing to just like <laughs> have an empty place. Like don't put anything in this field. But it kind of felt like there was purpose or like like it was designed, but it was still empty. Yeah. So no, it was definitely designed because there was like patches of stuff here yeah. and like purposely placed assets, but like not. And I'm sure that they went over like every inch of all that stuff and and looked at it and made sure it was the way it was, they wanted to be, just like they did with the rest of the game. Yeah. So I don't know how they struck that balance, but they definitely did. Because yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just really, really good. Yeah. It's yeah, like the sense of. Um, like the sense of overgrowth that you get in it too. Like when you see those different little shrines throughout the mm-hmm. place, like a lot of people um, praised last of us and a lot of other games like that, the post-apocalyptic games, when they mm-hmm. get that, that balance of the environment, right. And this one was really the one that did it first that I remember anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you going to say, Clara? What is your favorite thing about this game? Yeah, that's actually what I had the same, the minimalism of the game and the soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. Because like you said, you just like Joseph already touched on, like you travel such long distances and just the utilization of the music, um, aside from how incredible the music is, just the way that they used it, which is something that Joseph, sorry, Joseph, you (laughs) mentioned this already, but um, I just thought it made it so much more impactful. Like when something does happen, it's like, bam, intensity. And it's just like you're fighting this giant and it's like the music and it's like, oh, it's so perfect. And then just like the landscape. And like you said, Rod, like, because when I first, I didn't get, I played it when it first came out, but I didn't get it like at launch mm. um, because I was just kind of like, so that's it. Like you ride a horse for forever and nothing happens <laughs> like lame. But then like I would see people play it or I would read reviews about it and it was always something really good. Like I never heard anything bad about it. So I was like, all right, I got to check it out. And then once I got it, I got it. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. understood <laughs> like how amazing it was like why everybody was giving it so much praise and i was like all right this is amazing like it was like nothing i had ever played before and i still feel like it well it was like the first of something that was like whoa like something so incredible and so different from anything else that had come out so yeah it was i love that game yeah it's it's really really good and it's kind of hard to pick one favorite thing about it because it's just yeah. like the game is my favorite thing about the game yeah, right? um, yeah that's what i was gonna say as the first i was like can i say all of it <laughs> yeah the, the whole uh but i think one thing that i that i really enjoy in video games as a general are games that allow you to think or in in, in any form of of entertainment like movies or books where there that where like the creator leaves space for interpretation or there's enough density there that you can interpret things. So I think my favorite thing about this game is the morality of it. Like it comes a point where it happened to me where like I really thought to myself, is it okay to keep destroying these things? <laughs> Cause some of them like don't even pay attention to you, right? There's a couple yeah. of them that are angry immediately as soon as they like sniff you out, but there's other that are just living their life. Well, there was one thing that I read um, in my research that you just reminded me of when the first time that like the team saw the whole first battle, Mm -hmm. they had like that sad musical cue at the end when the giant falls and they all started laughing because they thought it was a bug. Mm. And then like they then they all had to like, no, wait, this is we we like got back together and said, this is what the scope of this game is. <laughs> and they were like, oh, shit, that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, and that, that moment, like that moment is 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 amazing. And it, it never gets easier as the more you do it. Right. Yeah. And it's just like God of War had massive set pieces, too. But like where you would kill huge statues and huge statues were like trying to slam you and stuff like that but they're clearly angry and they're very clearly bad and evil right Mm -hmm. but the colossi don't necessarily have that and not Mm -hmm. only that but like they're the only living things in this world like as soon as you encounter something else that's moving you have to kill it (laughs) (laughs) and then like 
at the end of the game, I know I, I said I didn't want to get into the end, but at the end of the game, what happens to Wander is horrific, right? Like the consequences yeah. of his action lead to his demise and it's not a good death. It's not a peaceful death. It's not uh. anything like that. But afterwards, he achieved his goal and Mono is alive and there's this peaceful moment where like a baby comes out and there's life <laughs> all of a sudden. And it's like the game is like the ending is very peaceful and beautiful and it's like in direct response to this horrific consequence of it. So it's it just, I remember like just thinking like, at first, it's I, sh I probably shouldn't be killing these guys. Then I knew I shouldn't have killed these guys. But then at the end, was like, wait, is, it was kind of worth it, right? It was just like, yeah. she's alive and there seems to be peace and maybe they're going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, all that, that just allowing the player to have those emotions and those thoughts is my favorite thing about it. Because it's like our buddy from the New York Times said, like, it, it can be easy to not get the game if you don't really pay attention to it. But if you do, it's very rewarding in that it allows you to think about it. Yeah. And I love that about every aspect of entertainment. Like if a movie allows me to think about it long after I've left it, I'm going to love it more. And this game is one that allows you to think about your actions or the emotions that you felt long after you finished playing it. It kind of forces you to do that too. Like at least for a little while while you're doing it, like right when all the Colossuses fall, there's that moment where you don't like the level doesn't end right away. You're stuck with its corpse for a second before the, mm -hmm. like the black stuff comes and consumes you. Yeah. Which I think is also like a big part of how they like, because there isn't anything like they purposely focused on, like they put so much time and effort into like just this one aspect of it. So it's like, it makes it even more like you are more consumed by it because you don't have the ability or like even the opportunity to get distracted by anything else because it's just mm. this. Mm. So it's just like, it's pretty genius that that's how they did it. They're like, no, this is on purpose. Like everything has a specific purpose to it. Mm. Even though we did it, like at least some of the stuff that I was like, oh shit, like I didn't know they spent this much time <laughs> like developing it or this much or only these certain people like did this. And it's like, it was all for a specific purpose. And I think that's, amazing like he knew like i just admire like someone that's able to be like no i know what i'm doing and like this is what we're doing and this is why so you may not understand it and maybe the person playing it isn't going to understand it right away but then it leaves you with it and that's just so cool yeah definitely yeah it was just it's just such a great game it's i i, I think the you guys can tell just by the way we're speaking about it that it's a really good game and that it, it evokes a lot of emotion and responses and things like that so yeah. yeah play it if you haven't played it um our second question what is the standout moment so if you had to pick one moment what is your favorite moment in this game uh what do you think clara oh man um <laughs> i think it was so sad because i remember even just being like so emotional about it but i, I um, the death of Agro. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, why? Like, you hate me. You hate me personally because you knew that, like, you know, like, that's how it felt. Like, it felt personal. Mm. Um, so that that's probably my standout moment. Yeah, and it happens at such a pivotal moment, too, because yeah. it's just like, it's right before the last, the like, right before you face the last boss. And... And it's just like he's and it been happens in that way where he tosses you forward. Yeah. Yeah. He sacrifices himself or she Ugh. sacrifices herself for you. And it's just like it's the only living thing that Wander has accompanying him, right? And it's like, like you've been it. with her or him this whole time. And just take her and away then, from you. Yeah, that was oh. such a sad moment. And uh there's a there's like YouTube videos that I was looking at of streamers reacting to that moment, um, and it's really good. It's quality entertainment. If you guys uh, <laughs> if you guys want to oh, take man. a look, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. What's your standout moment, Joseph? Um, I didn't really have like one that I could come up with. There was a couple, but it's really anytime the game lets you feel the perspective of the world. Like even in simple moments where you're riding out on aggro and like you guys are just booking it across the plains and then like mm. you pick up the sword and it feels like Gandalf when like the lights hit like yeah. across and yeah. you just get like the, and then like the camera will will settle in and you see like you'll be able to see this long landscape behind you or like you'll get into um 
the boss fights and just the, when the first time you see the, the scale between you and the Colossus, like it's awe inspiring. Yeah. Um, there's just so, so many, like when, uh, memorable moments where you just see it just shows you the the scope of the world and those are the ones where like it really drove itself home to me yeah did you guys also know i read this and i didn't verify it myself but that the shrine of worship is visible from every colossus fight no that's so cool yeah i I remember it in like the first one and i saw it in a couple of screenshots but apparently yeah it's it's visible from from every Colossus fight, which is... That's crazy. I kind of want to go back and play it just to see if that's true. <laughs> but yeah, you can yeah, definitely... I just played it this week and I didn't even, like... <laughs> if I had known that, I would have been looking for it. Yeah, but I, I I get what you mean. And I remember doing that all the time of, of like, the Gandalf moment where, like, the sun focuses in on the blade <laughs> and then you just take off. Um, and, yeah, that the world was just so cool. Uh, for me, the standout moment has to be the second Colossus, um, because like I said earlier, the first one, I played that demo so many times that when the game came out, like I knew what to do right away. So, and I knew the music and I knew everything. So it wasn't that <laughs> impressive, but the second one, um, has, is, is the first Colossus that has that triumphant like song when you get on top of him. Uh-huh. And the first time that hit, like it just made my heart sore. And I still remember that feeling of just like, I like going like. And it just hits like it's just it's so good. I remember that moment. And then after that, because it plays throughout the whole battle and then hit that post death song after that joyful song just hits so hard. And it just really hit me for the first time that I'm doing something wrong. Uh, so yeah that moment you're so excited for the game and then you get to that part yeah 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 yeah. because I mean I had heard the song but you know you get I I killed I think the first one's name is Valis so many times that I was like used to it but the first time I got to the second Colossus which is like that four-legged one that is is very big and he becomes more terrain than anything else when you're on top of him Um, and then like that switch from the triumphant music to the sad one it just hit me super super hard uh, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll always treasure that moment and wish I could relive it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Do you have any moment like that, Clara, where you were like that you remember distinctly when you were fighting any one of them? I think just the first one, because like I said, um, when I first got it, I was just like, you're just doing nothing. Like there's nothing to do in this world. So when I first, like when it first happened, it was just so monumental. I was like, oh my God, I have to kill this thing. And it's like, what? Like with bare minute, I don't, what? I don't have magic. Like what the hell? You know what I mean? So it was just like, so I think for me right off the bat, just like having to figure out, like you can't just, you have to find like that, you know, the puzzle game aspect of it comes into play. So you have to find the specific spot. So I think for me right away, I was like, oh shit, cool. Okay. So this is what it, I got it. I get this. Let's go. So I was like super pumped. Like after that first one. Cool. Yeah. It's a very rewarding game. I think when yeah, you figure out what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Cause I remember when I was fighting number 13, uh, I think it's phalanx or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's the flying one where you have to like ride under him and shoot the pouches out and then he comes down and I and then like you get on his wings and he flies up with you and I was losing my grip the whole time and then it, the wings like buck me and threw me and before I fell to my death I was like I'm <laughs> as I'm falling the music's playing and then like he catches his fur and his tail right as I was about to like go to the ground and I was just like oh crap this is like the most I ever felt like I was playing a video <laughs> like a movie and then I was able to like climb up him and then I like brought him down it was just like the cool one of the oh, coolest moments so cool. I remember from this one yeah and that's phalanx awesome. is one of the coolest ones because he's so massive yeah so so massive yeah. and uh, like when you get on him again it's one of those things where it becomes the terrain as you're just on top of him as he's flying around. So. And it's one of the battles where you have to like use everything because you yeah. have to ride on Agro like as you fly, as you're riding under him because he's so big to shoot out the pouches and then ride on him to like catch up to him to jump onto the wings. And then, yeah, it's just, it's so cool. Yeah, that boss was awesome. Um, <laughs> third question, what is the worst part of the game? So Joe, what do you think is the worst part? Uh, the controls, like without <laughs> a doubt. Primarily the camera. And I've never... F- Fought, uh, f- 
fought to enjoy and experience more than this game. Mm. <laughs> like, just in spite of this game, I enjoyed the experience. Um, <laughs> because I think I told you at some point this year, Rob, when I first started playing the remaster a while ago, that I decided to change my mind on loving this game because I hate it and it's dog crap because yeah. the controls <laughs> were so bad. Um, but no, like, I've come back around to, to a middle point where, yeah, it's still like one of the, I think though the controls, um, take away from it in a bad sense who so were like it, it would be top five i think it or it would be top three in my all-time games but it probably takes it back to top five just because it's so hard to control and even the remaster does the same thing where like mm. you're fighting the camera the whole time to get it to where you need it to be yeah yeah that was an issue for sure um what about you clara what's what do you think is the worst part of the game um i had put down um just not being able to control um I grow when I wanted to, but now that I know that that was on purpose, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I take it back. I get it. <laughs> so that's what I had put. Because everything else was just like, and yeah, I guess the controls, Joseph, that was that was really annoying. But I mean, for the most part, I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> so I didn't really have anything else aside from like, I, it felt more like nitpicks than anything. Yeah, I think at this point, it's also nitpick, nitpicks for me because I, I, I have two. The first one is the fifth Colossus, the bird one. Um, it just, it took me forever to figure him out and I just sucked so bad at the bow. And then like, you had to jump on the wing as he was swooping by you and you had to stand on the, it was just a mess and I hated him and it, I almost quit the game like so early on. Uh, there were so many that were harder after that, but that one was just so annoying. I just hated him so much. And, uh, the second one is more, it's not necessarily with the game, but it's definitely something that. I will never forgive Ueda for, and maybe that's why I don't have a Google alert for him. And that's that <laughs> the speaker, uh, Dorman, so that's the voice that talks to you. Uh, you see his, whatever he's saying, like printed out on the screen as captions, right? And it's done in the worst typeface of all time. And that is papyrus. And papyrus <laughs> is the worst font ever. It is disgusting to look at. And you have this perfect game and it has papyrus as a typeface for the narration. Awesome. And I hate it. It's just like there are literally businesses that I will go to. And if the menu has papyrus, I won't eat there. Like, it's just like it, it's papyrus is like when you want to be quote unquote creative but you're too lazy to actually look up and research fonts or typefaces <laughs> you use papyrus so i don't understand how someone who is such a perfectionist and has such an eye for design could also allow his game to have papyrus as a font <laughs> i will never forgive you for it Ueda. maybe I, it's the one thing that he let go he, they were like well what do you want to use for the typeface and he's like i don't care like i got other things that i'm focused on and that's the reason <laughs> last guardian took 11 fucking years to come out <laughs> Oh, never again was he not gonna let he had every single decision had to go by him after that yeah i hope i hope that when he saw that he was disgusted um because i was and that's the one thing i will never forgive this game for um, that is easily far and away the worst part of this game worse than the controls is the the use of papyrus with like a dark glow underneath it it was just it's so gross um, and you have to read it because the it's um, gibberish yeah, it's it's not a real language. <laughs> yeah, it was it's offensive. Um, that's so funny. maybe see maybe that's why the New York Times guy didn't get the story. Maybe he was also offended by papyrus and he didn't read it. He's like, I refuse to <laughs> like, read papyrus. <laughs> yeah, so or he achieved what you hoped to, and he just went papyrus blind. There you so go. Yeah. Ban papyrus. Don't allow it anywhere. I think I legitimately think I uninstalled papyrus from my PC, so I don't ever see it. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, now our fourth question, how did the game age and what parts of it age the best and the worst aside from the graphics? Um, so Joe, why don't you take this one first? Um, I mean, I think it aged really well. Like it, it has an impact on us. You can, the way that we're talking about it, you can just hear it. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything that really aged badly other than the controls. And even now, even in the remake, the controls are garbage. Like, that's the one <laughs> thing that's super... That's the only part of the game that I don't think aged really well at all. Like, even from the score to everything, everything still hits really well to this day. Yeah. What do you think, Clara? 
Yeah, I was going to say the same. Like, I can't think of anything that aged badly. If anything, it's like, it was, it became such an influential game for stuff later mm. that I think it just kind of set the bar for, like, you can have a really, really great game that people are going to talk about forever, and it's just so minimalistic, and just with the good use of, like, music and just very little things. If anything, it just aged the best for me yeah. because it, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Like the story, like in our little internet research part that I forgot to mention, like there's only 1,016 words that were used in the whole game. Oh, wow. And it's just like, how cool is that? That it's like, even the language itself wasn't even English, you know what I mean? Or it wasn't <laughs> yeah. anything, it was yeah. the gibberish. So it's like with all these little components, you just put them together and it just sets the bar for how good something could be. Even with just, you know, that effort that you put in. So I just thought uh, that was really cool. Yeah. And I'm finding that that's like a recurring thing for uh, a recurring theme for these games that have like the visionary leader that is like unwavering in his resolve to see their vision come through. That it's just like they seem to be really fleshed out and complete games and they age really well. Because from the beginning, they knew what they were and they were not going to compromise on anything, right? Um, because, yeah, I agree. I think it aged very well, especially thematically. Um, the only thing that aged bad was the engine, but that's to be expected. Like, even back yeah. then, it was it was aged at the time it came out because it had, yeah. like, <laughs> lag and frame rate skip and everything. So, it, I, I, yeah, I think this game aged really, really well. And the fact that the remake only had, like, new assets, but didn't have to add any new gameplay mechanics or didn't have to add save points or microtransactions or anything like that for it to be viable as a re-release kind of solidifies that 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 it aged well that it was like a, a really solid game from the beginning uh. yep so the fifth question and this this will be interesting what is the legacy of this game what do you think the legacy is clara um i think or at least i had thought like the influence because just mm. even like how we had mentioned before with guillermo del toro how he um use that as in some of his movies like because of this game he was able to you know think up of other stuff and just how it like in with the i've never seen it but i will watch it now the adam sandler one rain over me like <laughs> just the fact that they're like i thought it was really cool because that was part of like the internet research also that i saw honestly was that, you don't like, need to watch it <laughs> no okay instead of the glasses <laughs> is probably the coolest aspect of it Got um, it. Okay. On the but Sandler scale, cool. is it is it closer to Little Nicky or uh, Uncut Gems? Uh, uh, probably closer to Little Nicky. Uh, That's hilarious. I think the worst Sandler movie is Jack and Jill, right? <laughs> I've never seen that one either. No, I, I have not, but I already know it's the worst. Yeah, so, so I don't funny. think it's that far bad, like the un, unmentionable Sandler scale movies, but it's not, not the greatest. <laughs> But I do think it's cool that, like, in the movie that... Well, it said in my research that, um, like, how much better he feels. Like, they show it in the progression of the game. So, depending on which Kalafa he's on, like, that's how much better he's feeling. So, yeah. I just thought, All like, right. that's so cool. Maybe now I need cool. to go watch that crappy movie again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was just, like, I think just that, like, the influence and the impact that it had, not only in, like, the video game industry, but the entertainment industry, I would consider that to be the legacy of it. Mm. Yeah, that that... That's definitely true because it did go beyond gaming in, in a lot of ways that few other games have, especially at this era. Um, what, what do you think the legacy is, Joe? I mean, it's pretty apparent. Um, it's influenced to like adventure games with games like Breath of the Wild, like those big, long landscapes that you're that you're traveling in. Mm. Um, but I think more than anything for me, it's like beauty in video games. Um, this one more so than Ico because I never played Ico personally, like I said. But like the games that we've talked about so far, this throughout doing this is like GTA and Halo. Like those are blockbusters, and like everybody loves those. But Shadow of the Colossus was the first. It's like the first movie with depth that you really appreciate. Um, I spent so much time with this game alone. I, I mean, it's probably also that it came out, I think it was like the fall after we graduated. So I yeah. was like at school doing nothing but like school and this. Um, and it just really taught me to appreciate games more more so than I like already did. Um, there's just games like The Last Guardian and games that you've seen uh, like from companies like that game company now that just had and like, like Flower and like Thomas Was Alone. 
um, that just have like these, these minimalistic, simplistic beauty to them. And you almost, they're more experiences than they are games. Yeah. Um, that like, this was the first one that I really feel like a story unfold. Like it was a storytelling medium as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I do also agree that I think the legacy is, is it kind of redefined what adventuring means um, or what it can mean. I think prior to this, I don't think any other game had going from point A to point B work as 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 something that was like a a central point of the game. You get what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. put in all the dungeons and make it so that they're not bored as before they get to the boss. <laughs> and this one, it's literally like, no, make give them time to think and reflect on what they've done yeah. before they get to yeah. the next one. Um, which I think was super unique and 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 there's a couple of games since then that I think kind of employ that as well um, to the point where I, I keep talking about this because it's, it's one of my favorite moments in video games, but like Red Dead Redemption one and two both have moments where they force you to take a long horseback ride and think upon your actions with a special song playing in the background. <laughs> right. Just like, I think that points directly back to shadow of the Colossus because yeah. after every boss battle, you had to go back out there and just ride forever and you inevitably thought about your actions and what this world was and what you're doing to this world and things like that so yeah i think i i think it redefined adventure games in that way and it allowed um for more discussion about games as a storytelling medium beyond just beat the boss because this game is literally beat the boss but if you've noticed we haven't just spoken about what it was like to beat the boss right it was just like everything else around it yeah i feel like we're talking yeah. everything except the beating of the bosses right like we yeah. talked about more about everything but which is awesome yeah even mm. though the game is literally just boss battles which is just yeah. boss battles yeah so it's just such such a special game it's it's a, it's artistic it's it's revolutionary in how it tells stories and in what it allows the player to feel so i think all of that is is the legacy of this game um so yes, the sixth question, is this the peak for any of the studios or the peak of the generation or the peak of the console? Uh, what do you think, Clara? I say yes, because just like, look at how we're talking about it. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like everyone should experience this game. It's so wonderful. So I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, definitely peak PS2 for me. Um, Like it's either this or it's Tony Hawk. Um, (laughs) And having played both remasters recently since Tony Hawk just came out, I I definitely lean towards this one. There there wasn't a game that I remember enjoying. And maybe not so much, like I said, I hated the controls. So maybe not so much like the actual, like actually playing it. But there wasn't a game that was as impactful for me in this generation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, I don't think I don't think it's um it's far fetched to consider this the best PS2 game. Um, yeah. As we said earlier, my favorite PS2 game is Katamari Damacy. But <laughs> but I I do think that they both had similar. They're both similar in the way that it was like an artistic vision behind, mm-hmm. and some intentionality behind wanting to have the player feel certain things, um, and Shadow definitely did that. Um, I. I, for me though, it's not the best PS2 game, but I, I I wouldn't fault anyone for considering this the best PS2 game. I do, however, consider it the best Team Eco game and the best game that Ueda ever made because I mean, Eco was okay, Last Guardian was less than okay, and uh, Shadow of the Colossus was great. And they've like both uh, Ueda and Kaido have left Sony since then. I don't know if they'll ever receive the same type of funding or support that they did with Sony. So maybe it'll be the peak game they worked on. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely peak Team Eco. And I don't, I don't, I don't think, I hope they make, they reach those same heights again. But um, I don't, I don't think they will. <laughs> yeah, not if they're only taking a shot every 11 years. Yeah, the new one, uh, supposedly Ueda received backing from Epic. Uh, oh, so. That, that could be something, but I have not heard anything else other than Epic is supporting him. That but. sounds promising. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the seventh and last question, how would this game work, look like in 2020? Uh, so w- what do you think, Joe? 
I don't think it would be any different. Like, Ueda had such a specific vision for it. Uh, and we can see, like, he, when he has a, a vision, he's going to stick to it. It's like I said, it took 11 years between this and Last Guardian. Um, he's going to stick to it no matter what. So <laughs> I don't, like, I mean, it would look better, obviously, because the visuals weren't that, weren't as um, good then as we talked about. Yeah. But yeah, it it's going to be like the remaster. It, this game is purposely the way that it is yeah Mm -hmm. what do you think Clara? yeah i was gonna say the same because i mean we (laughs) kind of touched on it with like how it didn't age badly yeah (laughs) so i was like it would be what we got it would just look a lot nicer just because of the gaming consoles we have now but yeah it would be i mean it would look just it would be just as great it would just probably look a little better due to graphics yeah i think the remake is the easy answer right um Mm -hmm. i was trying to think a little bit more of like the central theme, which is the this lonely hero, like right, like he kept on focusing so much on loneliness, and on being like driven, like single minded, driven in in a certain purpose. Um, I don't know what that would look like. Again, whenever I think of loneliness, I think of like Metroid. So I don't know if you could combine yeah. Metroid with Shadow of the Colossus. I think that would be cool. But mm-hmm. Samus lacks that single minded focus. She's just kind of like doing the right thing. And this guy was like on a quest to revive his <laughs> loved one. I don't care about anything else, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that that is a very interesting theme to explore, but I don't know if it could be, honestly, I don't know if it can be done better than Shadow because uh, Shadow has that whole aspect of like this big, majestic living being that you're immediately killing. It's just like, you don't even <laughs> give it a chance to reason with you or communicate <laughs> with you or anything. So yeah, I, I don't think it gets much better than that. So I think the 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 remake is it. Um, I'm trying ter- to remember through our list if there was any other ones that I didn't say uh, VR for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Sh- Shadow of the Colossus VR would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, but-, but I don't think like I think it would actually take away from like the way that you play it or the way you experience it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't see. Like, as soon as you're standing in front of the giant hoof of a giant, you can't see the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> and you feel small, but in a different way. It's kind of like standing underneath a skyscraper. It's just like, no, you can't You can't really figure it out from that angle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a little bit of a hot take where it's just like, okay, focusing on loneliness and just being utterly alone with only one other living being around you and keeping single-minded on on your focus that means wander is a podcaster (laughs) (laughs) and aggro is his one subscriber (laughs) but i couldn't find much there so uh yeah maybe uh wander as a podcaster is not a sequel that anyone wants to listen to but (laughs) aggro is his his own feed subscribed to his own podcast <laughs> yeah so it's, i tried it had no legs but i'm just trying to feel a little bit cooler uh, but it, it, it didn't work um so yeah that it, like i think you guys all gathered from this that this is a, a wonderful game that is yeah just one of the great works of art that came out on this era and on the ps2 in total is there anything else that you guys want to add or bring up that we didn't talk about I was just going to say, like, the like the internet research part, um, mm-hmm. I came across um, that they had done this guy, Eric Belson. He had created a blog um, as part of the marketing ploy mm. before its release in t- 2013. He started, um, like, the uh, the research of giantology. He termed this coin, <laughs> and pretty much it was, like, a blog, and he, like, would make, like, how pretty much giants actually existed. Yeah. And it was, it became viral up until but it was a marketing play that they did <laughs> for shadow of the colossus and i just thought that was so cool because the only other thing that i had heard in reference to something like this doing it like up until the release date was um oh that movie cloverfields oh yeah, yeah how yeah. they like i mean they had the movie but then they had like their own little like website thing where it was like oh if you look at this scene and that and this happened and then if you go and look it up and then even when like the newer one came out with um, John Goodman, mm. like they did a bunch of like internet blog stuff, which yeah. I always think is so cool because it takes you, it's not just like the movie, you, you get to interact with it within this blog. Yeah. And I didn't know that they had done this 
which I wish they had because I would have been all about this blog. Like, I think that's so cool. Like, he would go and, like, he actually posted photos of, like, the skeletons of the giants that he found, supposedly. And I was like, man, that's so cool. <laughs> that was an AR game, right? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, ARGs are always so cool. I always yeah, wish I could to, come up with one. We talked about it with Halo, too. They had one, too. Yeah, I love bees. I don't think we can yeah. do that anymore. Like <laughs> with the way the conspiracy theories are so rapid. Right. What if days, QAnon is an ARG? <laughs> that's why. Like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, that's something really. I just kind of thought of something really cool that, um, because of like Cloverfield and, I guess the whole Japanese kaiju thing. Is this the only non-Godzilla benevolent kaiju type game? Because I mean, these guys are pretty much kaijus right they're like giant monsters that you can't communicate with but in all of the games they're kind of like forces of evil or indestructible forces and in this one it's kind of shifted around where the indestructible unstoppable force that you can't reason with is the player yeah and you're the tiny little human so it's a little it's a nice little shift or a perspective on the kaiju genre that's awesome so yeah well if uh if no one if Joseph you don't have anything else to add? No. No, it just has like a special place in my heart cuz when it came like the time that it came out when it graduated and how, when we were graduating like how good it was and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And um yeah, maybe it's in my top 5 PS2, but Katamari is still still the, the still holds <laughs> the crown. My PS2? Yeah, maybe PS2. Yeah. Um <laughs> for sure. it's it's a great game though. And uh <laughs> I want to thank you, the listeners, for uh, for joining us, and hopefully you enjoyed this conversation, and hopefully you enjoyed this season because this is the last episode of the first run of One Twenty Eight Bits. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us and for talking about games with us and just reminiscing. Um, so thanks, and we'll see you guys next time. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.